We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It is game day in week two. Packers making their home debut in Lambeau Field. They're taking on the Detroit Lions. My name is Mike Wendland. Joining me this week, Gage Bridgeford and Tyler Grezegorik with your game preview for the Pack-A-Day Podcast crew. And guys, week one seemed to go pretty well. How do you think week two is going to go? Even better. (laughs) I think it'll probably go about the same, yeah. Like, pretty damn good. Uh, Green Bay lit Minnesota up, and I don't think Detroit is – I think Detroit's a worse team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know where you stand on that, Tyler. Uh, they definitely are, especially when you start to factor in all the injuries that Detroit is dealing with, which we'll cover here in a second. Uh, if we if we get a poor Green Bay performance, so there might be pitchforks this week. Yeah, I don't know about pitchforks. There might be some light fire, but I, I agree with you guys both. The Detroit's in a rough spot. Injury, some big injuries. Their biggest Packer killer is hurt as well on, on their offensive side. So this should be a, and I'm not going to say comfortable because division games never are as we saw last year against Detroit, but I think the Packers are, are in much better shape to win this one than, than they were even last week against Minnesota. But before we jump into our injury report, don't forget to check out Packaday Podcast on Twitter and wherever you can find your podcast and give us a like, a subscription, and let us know how we're doing. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the injury report for for the game. We'll start we'll start with Detroit because there's is a lot 
more intense than Green Bay's. They have four players ruled out, and all of them get plenty of playing time. Tight end Hunter Bryant's out with a hamstring injury. Guard Joe Dahl is out with a groin injury. Kenny Galladay out with a hamstring. He did not practice all week. And Desmond Trufant, the corner, out with a hamstring. Listed as questionable for the Lions, safety C.J. Moore, corner Daryl Roberts. Tackle Halapulavati Vitae and defensive tackle Nick Williams. Vitae did not practice all week with a foot injury. And if him and Dahl are both out on that offensive line, somewhere Zedarius Smith is has been smiling all weekend. And and then for the Packers, Kenny Clark was ruled out with his groin injury. He did not practice all week. Randy Ramsey's out as well with a groin injury. Equinemius St. Brown's out with a knee injury. And Lane Taylor, still on the active roster, of course, is out with his knee injury. Listed as questionable, Matravius Adams with his toe. He was limited all week. Josiah DeGuara is questionable with a shin-slash-ankle injury. Raven Green's questionable with a quad. Lucas Patrick with a shoulder and Billy Turner with his knee are both questionable as well. Gage, I'll go to you first. What sticks out to you for these injuries for these teams? Well, first, you said that uh, the Detroit's uh, biggest offensive killer of the Packers was injured, and I, um, as Tyler will know, I didn't think Marvin Jones was hurt for this game. Yeah, he's not on the list here. And Marvin Jones consistently kills Green Bay. So even though like it sucks for uh, Detroit that Kenny G is out, and that's great for Green Bay, but Marvin Jones has consistently had put up big games against them, so I'm still not sleeping on him. Quintess Deep has had 10 targets last week. Danny Amendola is a great slot guy, so they have the receiving weapons to kind of make up for that. You can't fully replace a guy of his talent, but uh, and then the big one has got to be Desmond Trufant. Like Jeffrey Okuda is a rookie, uh, super talented, one of the best corner prospects we've seen in a long time. So, uh, but with Trufant being out, that makes life a lot easier on. Lazard, Adams, and whoever else, uh, Akuda, and everyone below him. Because is Justin Coleman also out for the year, or is Justin Coleman the guy that's stepping up to replace him? He's not out for the year, but he's out this week. Okay, he's just not. Is he on like IR for three weeks then? I think so. Okay, so you got two of the top three corners are all out for this week, so that's great for Green Bay. Um, Joe Dahl. Uh, him being out, I would love if Kenny Clark had been able to play this week. Hopefully, uh, they'll be able to replace that with maybe some more big Z rushes inside and take advantage of, uh, those, that whatever guard steps into his place. Uh, for, for Green Bay, like, I think the only injury that, like, obviously you never want to lose a guy, but I think the one injury that's really going to show up is Kenny Clark. Clark's ability to push the pocket, get in the quarterback's face and, uh, really flush him out, uh, is something that has really, really started to grow over the last two years. And um, I think that I kind of expected him to miss this game. But the rest of the injuries are like, okay, I think Green Bay's got enough to replace them, especially if Billy Turner's active. If Turner plays, uh, I have a lot of confidence in this team uh, like to just replace them, and hopefully Kenny's able to get back by week three. Yeah, the offensive line should be okay. They should be able to... Absorbed the loss of Lane Taylor, uh, which is unfortunate because I think he was in for a pretty good year, uh, considering all the camp, the talk around him uh, coming out of camp. And um, but this is why you can never have too many offensive linemen. Billy Turner should be back this week. Uh, he should slide into the right guard spot. Rick Wagner should get the start at right tackle, uh, even though Elton Jenkins is probably a right tackle of the future. But that's a topic for another time. So. Overall, they're going to be able to weather their own injuries, and then they should be able to take advantage of the injuries on on Detroit's side. Yeah, that, that's a question for you guys quickly before we move on to our next topic. Is that right guard spot? If Turner and Patrick both are good to go, 
do you slide Turner back in there, or do you give Lucas another chance? He looked pretty solid. It seemed like against Minnesota on the left side. I think Turner's the choice. I agree. Uh, I think Turner's the choice. Um, not like I don't agree with the idea of if you have the money invested in something, you play it. But I think that you gotta play Turner. I think Turner is still better than Patrick. Like we've seen quality play from him over the years. But I think Turner still ha- gives this team like he's. A, I think he's a higher ceiling player, and I just think he's a better player. Fair enough. Well, we'll stay on the offensive line as we move on to our next topic, which is some contract discussions and some news that was broken by Rob Domofsky over the weekend. And Gage, I know you have his Twitter feed up. The big story was David Bakhtiari. Apparently, they in the last discussions they had, it were about four million dollars apart between his him and his agent and the team. He obviously he wants the money that Larry Tunsil got in a little bit more as he deserves as the best left tackle in football. So, Gage, let me, give us what you know about that and what you think is going to end up happening. So the big the the big news came out, uh, I think, Thursday or Friday, that just he wanted he wanted to reset the market or at least match uh, Tunsil. And when I first read that, this was the show that I didn't know Bakhtiari's exact age. Bakhtiari's been around for a long time. I thought he was older than he was. And when I saw four million, I was like, "Meet, geez, that's a lot. That's a big deal." Um, and because I thought he was north of thirty, turns out he doesn't turn twenty nine until uh, about a week and a half after this podcast comes out. So uh, I saw he was only going to be twenty nine. I think you give him that deal, and I think ultimately that deal gets done. Um, I know the deadline is coming up, so I don't know if it's going to get done now, but I think it gets done uh, next off season before the tampering period starts. Green Bay is not going to let him walk. Um, they'll find a way to make, to free up the money. They always do, um, and especially with Rodgers uh, in these final years, you're gonna keep him. You're gonna keep him upright. You're gonna keep him happy. Him and Bakhtiari are great, uh, great together, great friends. And then it'll also give you a transition tackle for the beginning years of the Jordan Love era. Uh, I know nobody wants to look that far into the future, but you have to do it. And giving Love the peace of mind that he's got a rock star left tackle. For at least the two, for at least two or three years to start his career is going to give him a lot of confidence. While that deal may not get done right now, where apparently every other major star in this league is getting a deal done, I think the Bakhtiari gets his done uh, at least next offseason, like before free agency happens. Yeah, I think that the the deal is going to get done. It's just a matter of when. Uh, they'll find the money somehow. Rust Ball will work his magic. Uh, so I think it's worth discussing what the Laramie Tunsil contract was. It came in at an average value of $22 million per year with $50 million guaranteed on a $66 million contract. Um, that's pretty substantial. So it's $22 million a year, which is what you're paying some of your top pass rushers now. So obviously you're going to have to pay the guy protecting you from those pass rushers. Uh, so Bakhtiari is probably looking at something like a four-year deal in that range. Um, I, I think when you have a shorter deal like Tunsil got with three years – the money's going to be a little bit higher. So if, if he got something like $22 million, uh over four years, I think that's market resetting at that point. And so four years, $22 million, I think is a very fair offer for Bakhtiari. The the real question is, and, and we talk, I just said that the, the probably going to get this deal done, but where does the money come from? That really is the question because at some point they're just going to simply run out. Um, they're, I After watching the Aaron Jones contracts, talks, contract talks kind of sputter out this week. I have to imagine he's done in Green Bay after this year, unfortunately. Um, it just sounds like that they're way too far apart on a value. Um, watch him sign a contract extension as soon as we release this podcast. But um, it, 
it just looks like a four-year deal for Bakhtiari around $22 million is probably going to be the way to go. Yeah, I think the big thing with Bakhtiari is going to be the guaranteed money. Uh, obviously, Tunsil's was very substantial. And with with offensive line, especially ones who are getting a little bit older, who've been around with a lot of mileage, they're going to want that security. So I think that's going to be a big thing. But I'm with both you guys. I think it gets done. I think it gets done sooner rather than later. And now that this news is out there, I think that might push both sides to really kind of get this done, to get it out of the news cycle. And so we don't have, so this isn't constantly being brought up over the, over the course of the season. But with, with that contract, I do think, I do think Bakhtiari will be the left tackle for the foreseeable future, the end of the Aaron Rodgers era, and the start of, whether it's Jordan Love or Tim Boyle, whoever the next quarterback is, he will be there as well. Cause the Packers have had a history of some really good left tackles. And I don't think they want to change that anytime soon. And why, why get rid of what you have already with Bakhtiari? But moving on to the NFC North as well, there's a couple other games going on this weekend between NFC North rivals. Chicago, they will be taking on the New York not-so-Giants, and the Minnesota Vikings will be taking on the Indianapolis Colts. So I know, Gage, you have some of the stats for those games. What do you got for us? So the over-under on the Bears game is set 42.5 is the consensus line. It's going to vary depending on where you're betting at, and the uh, Bears are favored by 5.5. Um, I like the over on this game just because 42 and a half is really low. Uh, and while the Bears have a good defense, I think that the Giants showed last week they can score points even against a good, uh, good defense like they did against, uh, the, against the Steelers. Uh, but I do like the Bears to cover. Uh, I think that the Bears are a better team than they get credit for. Trubisky, as long as he's not trying to do too much, uh, can lead your team to a successful day. That's what he did last week, even though Matt Patricia might be the second worst coach in the NFL and is really bad at coordinating a defense despite having all the pieces necessary. So I think that the Bears are able to move the ball against the Giants. Um, the only strength of the Giants' defense is their front, and if you can just get the ball behind them, you can move the ball. So I'd take the Bears to cover in that game uh, pretty comfortably. Like it's five and a, five and a half. I think it'd take, I'd take it all the way up to six and a half, take them as a touchdown favorite. Uh, there. Moving on to the other one, we have Minnesota at uh, Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis favored by three, forty-eight and a half point over under. And that game, that game's interesting. So that basically means, like, for those that don't bet, that's a new, for on a neutral side, it'd be a toss-up game. They don't know who's going to win. They're just giving Indianapolis the home home game benefit of the doubt. And I think that the Colts have the offensive weapons to take advantage of the against the of, of the Vikings like they don't really like Rivers isn't going to take deep shots but what he can do is he's got Paris Campbell and uh T.Y. Hilton who can both work underneath routes uh Naeem Hines can have a big game Jonathan Taylor it's going to be his debut like his full-on debut so for those of you Wisconsin fans that are excited to see Taylor I would watch that game tomorrow or at least have that on the second channel since Green Bay is also playing at one I think that that game is going to be, I think the Colts cover pretty easily because I don't think Kirk Cousins is that good. I think that while he can dink and dunk in front of them, I don't think that he can get the ball all the way down the field. And I think the Colts have the run defense pieces to slow Dalvin Cook down enough. So I'd take Colts to cover in that game, but I'd take the Bears to cover in the other one. So I think the NFC North outside of the Green Bay game is going to go one and one tomorrow. The Bears game is super interesting to me because I'm really kind of keeping an eye on Mitch Trubisky and seeing if he can replicate the fourth quarter performance he put together last week. Uh, that's really what I'm looking for in that Bears game. I want to see that Giants defense is not very good. 
and the Steelers, I mean, the Steelers did end up struggling. I think the pass rush was surprisingly good for the Giants. Um, but at the same time, I think the Steelers are a much better team overall than the Bears. Um, so we'll see what the Giants can do. I think the 42 and a half under, over under for that game is low as well. I'm taking the over. Uh, and then I'm looking at the, I don't, I don't like the Bears by a touchdown. I think it's a closer game than that. Um, so five and a half is a weird, weird number though. I'm, I'm probably taking the bears at that just because five is such an awkward number. But, uh, if it were six and a half, I'm taking giants. So it's, um, it's just kind of weird. But at the same time, uh, the Vikings and Colts is going to be a great game. Uh, the Colts have a better receiving core, uh, and a better offensive line than the Packers do. And they Packers, we saw what the Packers did to the Vikings defense last week. So, uh, there's no reason why the Colts shouldn't be successful. And I think Phillip Rivers is going to be on a mission after the turnover fest that he had last week. Yeah, I think that's a big thing as well with that Colts-Vikings game is the Colts are, are coming in a little bit embarrassed. I mean, when you lose to Jacksonville, there's nowhere to go but up. So I think, I think the Colts are going to be a bit motivated. Rivers making a home debut. I think he's going to try and do something. And I also think that the Bears take care of the Giants. I, I'm, I'm not a believer in anything the Giants are doing. I'm not sure they know how to use Saquon Barkley. I, Daniel Jones has moments, but outside of that, that front four on defense, they're pretty weak there. And I think a guy who we'll talk about for very briefly, Allen Robinson, is going to have a very big game against that team. So with, with the Bears, with the Bears, they do have a couple contract discussions. Sounds like they're really close to a deal with Tariq Cohen as of we're recording this. Good chance it'll be announced by the time this actually airs on Sunday. And then Allen Robinson, of course, the whole big story about him maybe asking for a trade and having new contract discussions and maybe a guy being on his way out of Chicago after this season. Uh, Gage, what have you heard about this? I think he's going to resign. Uh, I, I just, I think he's too good for them to let go. Um, I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. He's just had, uh, he had the ACL injury right after his big year, and after, but other than that, he's had just bad quarterback play. Like I think that Trubisky's better than just getting ragged on, but at the same time, he's like he has a lot of bad boneheaded plays. And then there was Blake Bortles, which we all know Blake Bortles had one good season that got him paid, and that's all he's ever done. So I think that Allen Robinson's going to get paid. Um, I think that the whole the trade thing, I think that was more the media was starting that because. He came out openly on his own social media and said, no, I didn't. Like, he deleted all of his bear stuff. But I think that that was more of a, hey, pay attention to me. Give me money like I deserve. Now, if they pay Tariq Cohen before paying him, I think that that's more just Tariq Cohen's going to cost less money than Robinson does. So I would so I would be paying uh, Robinson if you don't – for Dynasty guys, obviously Tyler and I both write for Dynasty nerds. Um, I'd be trying to get Robinson uh, from an owner that might be a little scared that he's going to get traded or something like that to a worse situation. I think Robinson's a top 10 dynasty receiver because he's still kind of young, still super talented, uh, great in the red zone. So that's Allen Robinson's going to get paid. Green Bay's going to have to deal with him for years to come. I, I think he's going to get paid as well. Although I'm a little bit more 50-50. I'll say 51-49. I think he gets paid. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if, if somehow he ends up leaving Chicago, whether it's via free agency at the end of the year or he does get traded at some point. Uh, I don't, I'm not buying into the social media crap either. I, that was all the media speculating, oh, you know, he's looking for a trade. Athletes do this all the time. We see it with Giannis, uh, after, after big losses and stuff like that in the NBA. He, 
he's always cleaning his social media up and stuff like that. And so taking all taking all the references down off the social media, these these people or these guys, these guys are people too. And so they're just gonna do whatever they want with their own personal platforms. I don't really care unless he comes out on the social media and says trade me. I'm not buying into it. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, th- I think Robinson gets gets signed either by Chicago or by somebody else on day one of free agency, but he's going to get paid, and he's worth it. He is definitely a top-tier receiver, a guy who kind of got forgotten for the injuries in Jacksonville. And Co- Cohen, yeah, he's a good little gadget piece, good returner, but that's that's all I got on him. But we've gone long enough. Let's start talking about the Packers and the Lions. There's a lot going on. Uh, of course, we I, we didn't bring up during injuries, but we'll bring up very quickly now. Jair Alexander was added with a hand injury, but no change to his status. He will be playing. I'm just sure it was just a precaution. You have to do it by league rules. But let's get started, and Tyler, we'll start with you. What's your key matchup between the Packers and the Lions? Hmm, my key matchup, I, I went over this last night on the Friday Night Lights stream with uh, Adam Westendorf, and the... Trey Flowers is going to be the guy that the Packers are going to have to key in, key in on that, that Lions defense because this secondary for the, for the Lions is not good. So the, really the only way that they're going to be able to have any success is two ways. One, the secondary overperforms and two, the pass rush gets home against Aaron Rodgers. Now the Vikings, uh, they used to have a weird, they used to have a better pass rush than the Lions, but I think the Lions probably have a better pass rush at this point in time. And so, it's going to be a tougher test for the offensive line, I think. Deshaun Hand is on that, that defensive line, Trey Flowers. They're both going to be instrumental to stopping this Packers offense uh, via the run and also in the pass. So they're, they're going to be asked to do a lot this week. And so if they can contain that defensive line for the Lions, if they can contain Trey Flowers specifically, then um, I think that there will be success for this Packers offense. That's roughly where I stand as well. I think that the pass rush is important, but I think uh, more important is going to be containing uh, Adrian Peterson. I know that that sounds – and the running game in general. It sounds weird to say Adrian Peterson's on the Lions, but Adrian Peterson had a good game last week against Chicago, like rushing-wise. He had a solid all-around game, and he's had good games against Green Bay in the past. Green Bay was exposed a little bit last week on on, uh, the running game by Dalvin Cook early. And then they kind of forced him to go away with that, or go away from that just because they ran up so many points. But um, I think that they have to get up to, if they can't contain AP or carry on or DeAndre Swift or whoever the lead running back is, they have to get out to a lead early and force them to throw because I think the Green Bay can get pressure on this offense, especially with Joe Dahl out uh, with Big D dealing with an injury. Um, I think the Green Bay can get pressure on Matt Stafford and force him to make mistakes and this this secondary is opportunistic. Jair got a pick last week. Love to see it. Um, Kevin King is also a is also a talented guy in his own right. Um, and I think that they can really take advantage of this offense and take advantage of Matt Stafford's willingness to throw into risky spots as long as they get pressure on him. So that's so my it, my thing is more like can Chris Kirksey and this group up front without Kenny Clark can they slow down the running game or is the running game going to get up? and kind of slow the pace down and kind of keep Green Bay's offense off the field. Yeah, I'm with you for the most part. My first thought was also going to be stopping Adrian Peterson because he's basically a cyborg at this point, and he's 
continue to climb up the rushing record, rushing statistic records, everything going up on the lists. But my biggest matchup is going to be the right side of that Detroit offensive line, especially if Vitae and Dahl, uh, Vitae's out with Dahl already out. That's going to open up a lot of things for the Smiths, for Rashawn Gary, and for guys like Dean Lowry who can maybe slide through a little more on there, or Kingsley Kiki. Like we, I'm guessing Tyler Lancaster is going to be the guy who's going to get all the the defensive t- the nose tackle reps early on, and then they'll kind of move guys in and throughout the rest of the game. But if if Kiki gets more increased snaps and can get, make some havoc on the right side of that line, that's going to make things a lot tougher for for the running game, cutting the field off in half. It'll be tougher for Matt Stafford to really be able to be able to look away when you have guys right in your face consistently. So I think I think the right side of that offensive line for Detroit is going to be a big big problem for them. Well, that being said, last week we did if the Packers win, if the Packers lose, it's because blank. So we'll start with that. Gage, if the Packers were to lose, it would be because of what? They can't contain Adrian Peterson, and then uh, Marvin Jones has a Marvin Jones against Green Bay signature game. Um, I think that the offense is going to be able to keep pace. I don't think they're, they're. I don't know if they're going to be as efficient as they were last week. I think they can because this Detroit defense is not good. So, but if like Matt Stafford can hit a couple deep shots to Marvin Jones and maybe find Quintez Cephas, who he looked for last week a lot. He gave him ten targets last week. Uh, Danny Amendola in the slot is always a guy to get like six targets a game, catch five of them for 60 yards, and if he falls into the end zone, there you go. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, if Hawkinson can show that he is more like the guy that they that we saw last week and saw last year against Arizona, um, they they have the offensive pieces to cause problems for Green Bay. So I think that this game is going to come down to can Green Bay's defense match up with um, if Green Bay with uh, Detroit's offense. I think that that's the the key matchup overall. It's just I think the offense is going to be good. It's going to come down to the defense. I 100% agree there. I'm looking at the defense and for Green Bay, TJ Hawkinson can give this unit fits. So can DeAndre Swift. Uh, I, I think that with no Kenny G, this this statement is not quite as true. But when this, this Lions receiving core has a bunch of different types of receivers. And that can really give offenses, or I'm sorry, defenses a fit sometimes because they just have so many different ways that they can generate offense. And and we saw last week, Matt Stafford looked good outside of a couple bad plays. But other than that, the Lions were just really unfortunate. It, there was a couple of really unfortunate plays that went the Lions, that went opposite of the Lions' way, including the DeAndre Swift drop at the end of the game, which honestly should have won them the game. Um, the, this Lions offense is good. And so... As Gage was saying, I think that they can keep some. I think they can keep pace. Uh, it's going to be a matter of how much. So, if they can can just contain Adrian Peterson, who still looks really good, he's still super patient. He's going to make guys pay if they're uh, if they are not disciplined, basically on defense. He's going to make he's going to make defenses pay in that way, and the Lions know that. So they're going to be able, they're going to be patient on offense. They're going to take what the Packers are giving them. Matt Stafford's still a top ten quarterback, probably in the league right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I can't add anything. You guys both hit everything I was thinking right on the top of the nose. So I'll just go with if the Packers win, it's going to be because they force a turnover and Aaron Rodgers picks up where he left off last week. He, he with that banged up secondary, I, I do feel a little bit bad for Jeffrey Okuda because he's going to have to come in to his rookie debut and face some pretty solid receivers and one phenomenal one in Devontae Adams. 
And I, I think Rodgers can pick that secondary apart, cause some major, major problems for Detroit's defense. And the Packers can they'll, – they'll be a lot more successful than they were either of the two games last year. Let's put it that way. Uh, Gage, what about you? If the, Packer, if the Packers do win, it's because of what? I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna go back to the defense. Uh, I, I agree that the offense is gonna move the ball well, but I'm gonna go back to the defense. And if Green Bay is able to slow down AP and this offense early, give their give their offense a lead, uh, then you're gonna watch uh, Detroit be forced to throw the ball a lot. Uh, Jair is sticky in man coverage against Marvin Jones or Quintez or Danny Amendola or whoever else they match him up with. So he's gonna stay locked on his guy and he can make plays. Uh, Kevin King's got the physicality to match up with uh, Marvin Jones and uh, Quintez, so I don't have a ton of uh, – I'm not really scared there. Um, and then I, I want to see Christian Kirksey – or actually, I want to see Adrian Amos on TJ Hawkinson. I think that he could really neutralize him in this game, and I think that that's what it's going to come down to, is forcing Detroit to throw the ball because Stafford is going to take deep shots, and you can make him pay on those because his deep shots aren't always just wide-open ones like – Rodgers seems to find and Mahomes seems to find and those guys. He throws balls into coverage and hopes his guys come down with it. And Green Bay's got athletes. They can go out and jump with the best of them. So I think that that's what it's going to come down to is the defense has to force Detroit to throw the ball early and force them to throw it long. I, I said last night on the Friday Night Lights as we talked about this game that if they can hold Matthew Stafford to under 300 yards passing, I think Green Bay wins this game pretty easily. So that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with everything we've been talking about. If the defense can contain the Lions' offense, which is really their their biggest strength right now, it's where they have the most weapons, um, then they're going to be fine. And I really want to see how Mike Patton kind of configures his secondary because this could really be the game for him to experiment with Jair Alexander in a in that, I think it was called the star role with Charles Woodson back then, um, in something like that, and in just a rover, like, get-me-the-ball type role, um, he, he started to kind of take over that Vikings game at some points. And so I, I really want to see how Mike Patton decides to use him, how he decides to use Kevin King, because last time Marvin Jones and Kevin King went toe-to-toe, uh, Marvin Jones got the better of him. So I want to see what he decides to do there. I think uh, it would be he won't do this, but it would be really interesting if they decided to move Kevin King and put him on TJ Hawkinson and then take uh, – like Jair and have him erase Marvin Jones from the equation. And then you kind of have Adrian Amos, Shannon Sullivan, who I think could get some Danny Amendola work. Uh, and then Darnell Savage, who uh, had a pretty big mistake last week, but he's still a young player. So you kind of give him a pass in that regard. But you just want to see how Mike Patton's going to use these guys to really configure this defense. Because like I talked about, there's so many different types of players in this Lions offense. So uh, what what Mike Patton decides to do with his, with his secondary and his coverage players is going to be key. For sure, and of course, as we're probably getting closer to game time as you're listening to this, we're going to start to wrap things up. So let's go through the over-under, the money line, and make our predictions for the Packers and the Lions. The over-under, it's 49.5. The Packers are favored by 6 or by 9 if you factor in home field. Uh, Tyler, I'll go to you first. Uh, what would you be taking with, with the over-under and the money line? Uh, quick, quick thing before Tyler goes. Uh, this game actually is at home, and this factors in the home field, so so minus six. So on a neutral side, it'd be minus three. So just wanted to put that in there. Go ahead. I'm 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 predicting many Lambo leaps this weekend. Uh, so I'm taking the over, and I'm taking the Packers. Uh, I think, as I said last night, I keep referencing it because I literally did this game review last night or preview last night. But I think that the this game is sloppy. I think it's a sloppy game throughout. Uh, the Lions. 
the if you will go back and watch the game against Chicago, they played with a lot of energy. They played really fierce. Um, that they weren't going to take it lying down. Uh, they just, like I said, had a couple of really bad uh, balls that didn't bounce their way, and so. They should have won that game last week. I think that they're a better team than that. What that fourth quarter showed. Uh, the defense is pretty beat up, but they're gonna play. They're gonna play hard. They're gonna play tough. I think it's gonna be a sloppy game overall, but I think the Packers win by more than a touchdown. Yes, and thank you for that gauge. Uh, for some reason, my brain literally turned off for for a minute or so. So thanks for giving me that correction. I'm here um, for you. Always. I'm I'm with time on that as well. I think the the over is gonna hit very easily. And of course, I don't think the, the Packers are gonna hit the over almost by themselves last week. But I do think that also the Packers do cover the money line as well. I think they win by a touchdown. Uh, I think they win by seven to ten. I think they can handle handle business. Uh, what about you, Gage? Uh, I'm taking the over and I'm taking Green Bay uh, to cover. I think Green Bay wins closer to ten to fourteen. I think that this team is really good. Um, I think that Aaron Rodgers is operating on a chip on his shoulder. He's not the most outspoken guy on social media. Uh, but I think he knows the narrative around them is that they're being slept on. Like I've called out numerous national media guys on Twitter who continue to sleep on Green Bay and I make them come for it. Like, uh, Trevor Sikama on Locked on NFL Draft podcast. He's, uh, over at the Draft Network, super good guy. Uh, Sunday, Sunday he asked for questions and I said, how are all the national people gonna spin this Green Bay win to say that it's Green Bay's still not good. Minnesota's just this. And he owned up to it on the Monday podcast and came out and said that they were wrong. They slept on Green Bay a lot. And I think the people are still doing it. Um, Green Bay is going to come out and stomp Detroit, especially with Kenny G out. Um, I think that they're going to put up a lot of points. And then when they get up big, I think they're going to sit back like they did last week. And you're going to see Detroit run up some points. So there's the overhit, and I think Green Bay covers. Fair enough. So let's just make one last hard prediction before we sign things off. Gage, I'll go right back to you. What's your hard prediction for the game? Devontae goes for 150 yards and two tutties. If you got him in fantasy, you're going to love it this week because he's going to have a big game. I think Rodgers is going to hard feature him again, and he's just going to catch everything thrown his direction. So that's my hard prediction for the game in terms of individuals. Uh, I'm going to say Green Bay wins 38-26 to 26 is probably what I'm going to put it. And what about you, Tyler? Uh, I think last night I said something like 34 to 27 or something like that. Uh, but in reality, I think the Packers put up plus 30, and I don't think the Lions hit 30. So, Yeah, I'm going to go 34-24. Green Bay's going to get the win, and I think Zadarius Smith gets at least two sacks with, that, with the right side of that line being in shambles. So that being said, I think we'll start to wind things down here on the Packer Day podcast. Again, it's game day, Packers and Lions week two. Packers looking to seize control of the NFC North early on, get to 2-0. And as we wrap things up, Gage, where can people find you and what are you working on? You can find me on Twitter at GBridgeford NFL. As always, I will be uh, giving fantasy advice every single Sunday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. That is Eastern time, uh, as well as on Sunday mornings. Uh, three every For three out of four weeks, I will be doing um, live streams with uh, my friend Tyler here. We're going to be doing uh, from... I think it's 11 a.m. to – no, so this is Eastern time again, 11 a.m. to 11.45 a.m. over on the Game on Wisconsin. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, uh, via Periscope, as well as on – what is it, Facebook, right, Tyler? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, so there, all three places. So if you use one of those three platforms, you can find us there. Um, 
what am I working on? Uh, I generally put out one to two articles every day right now. I am crazy busy. I do rankings with Game on Wisconsin. Uh, I'll be writing two to four articles per week for Denver Stiffs. I'll, I'll, I got a lot of content coming out for a lot of different people. If you follow my Twitter, you'll find it. Yeah, and uh, same thing here. I mean, as, as Gage touched on, we're putting out a lot of work over at Game on Wisconsin, weekly rankings, which be sure to go check those out. Uh, we'll be updating those throughout the week. And then um, – so we also have our live stream, which if you're listening to this, uh, you're probably pretty pressed for time, but uh, jump on over to the Game on Wisconsin Twitter because we'll be live on there uh, taking your sit-start questions for fantasy, any other lineup questions you might have. Um, and it doesn't have to be on the day of. You can give us the questions ahead of time, too, and we'll be happy to answer them on the live stream. So that's at 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, approximately 45 minutes or so there. And that will be on, like Gage said, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. So be sure to check that out. Uh, come over and join us because it's, it's actually a great time. We had a lot of fun last week. And, um, gosh, I feel like I'm missing a bunch of stuff. But, honestly, just go to the go to my Twitter, at Tyler underscore Grez, and you'll find all of my work. Absolutely. And for me, find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland. I'm not doing a ton of writing right now, but I am uh, getting ready to do a lot of high school sports as they're opening back up in Wisconsin. So you can find me broadcasting those at Zaleski Sports at Zaleski Sports Wisconsin on YouTube, covering volleyball, soccer, and football next week. So so look for that if you're in central Wisconsin and looking for some good high school uh, sports broadcasting and some live, live streaming of local high school sports as well in mid-Wisconsin. And, of course, follow us at Packaday Podcast on Twitter and wherever you can find your podcast apps. Uh, give us a subscription. Give us a like. Let us know what we're doing and let us know what you, what you want us to, to talk about as we go forward because there's, there's going to be a lot going on this season and a lot of uh, Packers content to cover. So for Gage Bridgeford and Tyler Grezegork, this is Mike Wendland saying it's so long for now. Everyone, enjoy the game. Stay safe. Always carry the G and go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.